To all my elf friends, I am Tani Tanuviel, the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf. Greetings on this fair Tuesday. And in case you are tuning in for the very first time and wondering what this show is all about, what would Arwen do on every other Tuesday from 4 to 5 p.m.? This is the show where I ask, we ask, if a Middle Earth Elf lived today... In Orange County, California, what might her life look like? How would she celebrate and support the arts, music, her community, and the preservation of Earth, its beauty, resources, and creatures? Some people like to ask, what would Jesus do today? Which I think is a very good question. I like to ask, what would Arwen do? And this is based somewhat on my own personal experiment of my life as an elf, about eight years now, a little over eight years. And in case you were wondering who Arwen was, Arwen was an elf princess, the daughter of Elrond, a prince among elves and lord of Rivendell, a magical place of healing, lore, and wisdom, perhaps not unlike the community here at UC Irvine. Arwen was also a beloved daughter of the universe, as are all the women of this fair celestial home called Earth or in Elvish Arda. I believe Arden and Ar- Arwen understood the principle of noblesse oblige, that with great privilege comes responsibility. She embodied the archetype of a true princess of the light through her courage, wisdom, beauty, her sense of humor, and service to others. In Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings, A Guide to Middle-Earth, Colin Durias wrote, In his invented mythology of Middle-Earth, Tolkien intended that his elves were an extended metaphor of a key aspect of human nature. This, quote, elven quality in human life was a central preoccupation of Tolkien's elves, like dwarves, hobbits, and the like, partially represent human beings. In Tolkien's mythology, elves represent what is high and noble in humans. In particular, they represent the arts in their highest form, work done in the image of God and his created world. And I believe that this elven quality exists today in every living person and yearns for expression through gifts of creativity, nobility, and service to others. And I'm so excited because now I have a co-host, a Hobbit co-host. It's been a year, Milo Lomesdown, my friend. Wow, Tani, we're starting the second year of our adventure together, an elf and a hobbit. It's so wonderful and delightful to see you again. Our own fellowship. Maybe we should add um, a dwarf or something, although dwarves are always so difficult. (laughs) Well, they're just very, very set in their ways. They like their things the way they like them, and they're very, very proud people. Yes. They don't suffer fools gladly, that's for sure. Yes, and the studio is rather small, so we'll, we'll have to keep our fellowship at, at two for the, for the time being. <laughs> I think two's a company, three's a crowd, 
<laughs> so we will be the uh, the uh, fellowship company for now. And um, we have we share a passion for all things Tolkien, the Lord of the Rings. I love the fact that we both, um, because a lot of people I've met either love the books or they love the movies, and it's I love them both. I think that they're both two completely different artistic expressions of a wonderful sub-creation that Tolkien introduced all of us to. And I echo those sentiments exactly. The books are, well, the book, The Lord of the Rings, is certainly one of the great masterpieces of English literature. And the three films, certainly Mm -hmm. in my mind, there are almost no trilogies that match it for power, sweep, goodness, great acting, great direction, great cinematography, great music. We're just listening Uh to Howard Shore, Academy Award-winning composer. The overwhelming emotion when Arwen rescues Frodo from the Mm. Black Riders. Yes. What a great scene. So, yes, we we both love both the (laughs) books and the movies. And we are both very excited about uh, The Hobbit being brought to the cinema, hopefully within the next couple of years, even in, um, in, uh, amidst certain delays. and But it just, um, I, I love having presents. I'm one of those people at Christmas time where if there are some people, if you give them a present, they want to open it right then. I, if you give me a present, I want to wait until Christmas because I like to have my present. I like to think about my present. What could be in there? I like to enjoy looking at it because once you open it, the joy of discovery is past. And so I feel like now, you know, things are not maybe coming together quite as quickly as, you know, what might be nice, but I still, th- love that we have all of this joy of discovery coming up as we see the saga of the eventual filming of The Hobbit um, eventually come to fruition. So, And I love that you, being a film critic and so involved in film, are so good at um, ferreting out all of this wonderful little information that keeps us informed about this particular adventure. Luckily, in these days of the Internet, that newfangled computer contraption, we have the ability to do much easier searching. In the old days, I would have to call people Mm -hmm. that I knew in New York and Hollywood and find out, you know, rumors and so forth. And now it's much easier to find out um, many, many rumors just by searching the web. And so that's what I've done yesterday. I was very excited, speaking of The Hobbit, Guess Mm -hmm. what? There's a piece of news. Yay! The Hobbit movie, right? The Hobbit movie. And actually, there will be two Hobbit movies. Let's remember that there are two scripts done by Fran Walsh and Peter Jackson, and Sir Peter Jackson to you, (laughs) (laughs) Sir Peter Jackson and Guillermo del Toro, who has now had to bow out because of the financial delays. No, he, but he was uh, originally involved in the writing of the scripts. Yes, and he oh. will be credited under the Writers Guild oh. of America rules. He'll be credited as one of the writers of the scripts. Mm. Yes. So here is something that I first happened across at examiner.com, uh, written by Mark Summer, asking if there could be a big announcement coming August 21st. That's less than two weeks Mm -hmm. before the next time we get together again about The Hobbit being green lit. What does it mean to green light a movie? To green light a movie means that a studio has committed to the producer of a movie that that producer will get the money needed to make the movie. 
And unfortunately, The Hobbit has not yet been greenlit because the co-owner of the rights is MGM, and they have a problem with $4 billion worth of debt. That's <laughs> billion with a B. Uh-huh. They have more than 100 creditors. Wow. But enough about that. So he was talking about uh, the blog called FrodoFranchise.com, uh, created by Kristen Thompson, the author of the movie of the book about Lord of the Rings and Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And she references the Nolder blog, which is maintained by Wellington tour guide Jack M. He just used his last initial, Jack M. But he is a tour guide in Wellington, New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And he's speculating that there might be something coming August 21st. And she writes, the Weta Cave is undergoing an unusually long refurbishment. Now, it's Weta being the... Weta being the New Zealand-based special effects... Yes. Shop, but it's more than just a special effects shop. Not only are they responsible for the Lord of the Rings special effects, optical effects, physical effects, armory, weapons, costuming, much of the orc costuming, all of that. Mm -hmm. They were also, of course, partly responsible for the fabulous look of Avatar and Mm -hmm. Academy Award winning for that as well. So uh, Weta is the group uh, co-founded by Peter Jackson to handle special effects for The Lord of the Rings. And just as George Lucas' organization, Industrial Light and Magic, was founded to work on the Star Wars movies, has gone on to do many other things. So Weta has gone on to do other things. But they are, of course, intimately involved with the Hobbit movies. So it's being closed for a special function on August the 21st. Mm-hmm. And one of his contacts says that the Lord of the Ring props and set elements are being dusted off <gasps> and brought out of storage. <gasps> oh, how exciting. And she continues, those first two items wouldn't mean much. The bringing out of props and sets, promising, but, you know, she says that she had the privilege of touring one of the warehouses in October 2003 when the production of Return of the King was just winding down. Can you imagine to be in the warehouse during the production of Return of the King. Oh, my gosh. She's so lucky. Theoden's throne, Galadriel's boat, Gandalf's cart, all that kind of stuff from Hobbiton and Bree takes up a lot of space. Jack also writes, this is Jack M., MGM Studios apparently need to have about 10% of the film in the can by the end of the year, or they'll lose the filming rights. He mentions it might be able to comment on that uh and so the question is what does Kristen have to say about that because her focus of her book is on the intersection of lord of the rings and hollywood and how the two melded to make the tremendous trilogy that we've enjoyed for the last almost 10 years now Mm -hmm. my gosh next year will be the 10th anniversary she says she's not sure she can do it justice but she will try to uh Give it a try. Now, she says she has no inside information on New Line Warner Brothers. But remember, two months ago, I announced, I told you that Warner Brothers had announced to their exhibitors Mm -hmm. that Warner Brothers was planning on a December 2012 and a December 2013 release of the two Hobbit movies. And that was a pretty definite commitment from the distributor to the exhibitors, right? Mm -hmm. But we do, she continues, we do know this. MGM went into this deal owning the distribution rights to The Hobbit. 
back in 1969, Tolkien unwisely, well, he's a professor, what do you want? Right. Tolkien unwisely sold both the production and distribution rights to Lord of the Ring and The Hobbit to United Art- Artists in perpetuity. That means forever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Usually such rights are sold for a fixed period and subject to various constraints, like making the film within a certain number of years. That's the way the rights are always sold, Tani. So it was just that Professor Tolkien didn't know anything about Hollywood's workings right. and didn't have good advisors telling him what to do. So he sold those to UA in perpetuity. Well, who, of course, could, at that time, UA who was... Who could sell it, too, right? They could sell their rights. Well, yes, right. And what happened? UA has shrunk to a shadow of its former self due to various misadventures that it had as a studio and it was bought by MGM and now MGM owns all those things that United Artists own. The core of the deal between New Line and Warner Brothers and MGM is that Warner will distribute the Hobbit films in North America and MGM will do so abroad. Since MGM owns all the distribution rights, I suspect that its deal with Warner involved MGM becoming a co-producer of the film in exchange for Warner distributing the film in the U.S. That much seems fairly plausible. Now we get into even more speculative territory. I've been saying all along that Warner Brothers must have written contingency clauses into its contract with MGM. Again, Tani, as as Milo, as the film raconteur and bon vivant knows, almost always there are constraints and restrictions in all these contracts. Nothing is ever done in perpetuity. The fact that the professor gave UA the rights in perpetuity is an extremely rare event Mm -hmm. that almost never, ever happens. It's always for a period of time. So it seems possible that if MGM couldn't come up with its share of the production money by, say, August 2010, the deal would change, right? Mm -hmm. So these distribution deals always have certain dates where certain things have to be done by the various parties. So perhaps Warner Brothers could undertake to provide all production funding. And it could certainly afford it, Tani, because it has loads of cash on its balance sheet. Oh, good. Do you know balance sheets? They're, they're complicated little pieces of paper saying how much money a company has. Mm. <laughs> yes, we elves aren't generally too concerned about it. But there are some elves that, that really are very good um, business things. Some of us really prefer walking in starlight and communing with nature. She continues... <laughs> Kristen continues, it's faintly possible that somehow MGM has actually come up with its share of the production money or a significant portion thereof. I don't see how, Tani. But she thinks it's possible. She says, I don't know if it'll happen on August 21st, but surely we should be learning something soon. We've heard that Peter Jackson is in talks to direct the film himself. If those have finally come to a conclusion, that might break the current logjam because he had a tremendous success with the King Kong remake, a tremendous success with the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Possibly another director has been found to fill Del Toro's place. Well, we wouldn't like that. I think the only other person that could direct it, now that Del Toro and Jackson have worked on the script and the and the macro design of the films, right. would be Peter Jackson. Right. So that is the news that I have on the Hobbit movie itself. A tangential thing is, as I mentioned on our last program... And we should welcome our viewers, but after this. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, uh, welcome to all your viewers. We'll get to more thank yous in a moment. Listeners. But all of our listeners, well, they can view us virtually. <laughs> <laughs> but to all, all of our listeners, uh, 
Two weeks ago, I mentioned that there had been another extension, a sixth extension on the MGM $4 billion debt by its creditors. That one is due now to expire September 15th. An interesting fact is any one of those more than 100 creditors could do what's called a forced bankruptcy. And then a judge would decide how much MGM is worth and a judge would divide up the assets. So that is also a possibility that might break the logjam. So we're still on tinterhooks waiting (laughs) for this. It will all come together. In the meantime, we have lots of fun things to speculate about. And it has been, uh, there are always amazingly new things to discover that you don't even know, which we will talk about that a little bit later in the program. But right you now... You discovered something that I knew nothing about, and I am so excited. And you'll get a chance to... You'll, we'll talk about it. You'll get a chance to open it Yay. on the air here. But speaking of on the air, we should we should welcome our listeners. Yes. Thank you to all, everyone who's listening here in Orange County. We are KUCI. FM, and we broadcast at 200 watts to most of Orange County. So those who are listening here at UCI and in the surrounding areas, thank you for being here, and we wish you a beautiful, fantastic Middle Earth Day. And, of course, there are our friends who listen. On the Internet, we're at KUCI.org, 24 by 7. And we also have podcast Mm -hmm. every Wednesday after the show, I will post up the podcast to KUCITalk.org, and that is automatically reflected in iTunes. Mm -hmm. To find us in iTunes, just search for Arwen, A-R-W-E-N. And when you search for that in the iTunes store, you will find the free podcast there (laughs) as well. So you can have it in iTunes form. You can have it in MP3 form from KUCITalk.org. Or you can listen live on the Internet or live on your FM radio. So you can take the elf and the hobbit with you wherever you go. Wherever you go. (laughs) The wonder of technology. So there are a couple of other things coming up. There's a a hobbit play. Is that correct? Oh, my gosh. This Um, is really... Should we we talk about that now? Let's talk about that now. That's coming up in Fullerton, right? Yes. And apparently it opened... Last week, on August the 6th, I haven't been able to find any reviews anywhere yet. It may be that they're not actually going to be published till today in the papers, but I couldn't find any reviews of it. But at the Maverick Theater at 110 East Walnut Avenue in Fullerton, California, the Maverick Theater is doing a, a live, with live actors, The Hobbit, directed by Nathan McCarrick. It's uh, Fridays at 8 p.m. and Saturdays at 3 and 8 p.m. And that goes through the end of September? Through, through the middle of September, September 19th. Mm. So it's Fridays and Saturdays, that. Fridays yes. at 8, Saturdays at 3 p.m. and 8 p.m. And just Google on The Hobbit Maverick, and you will find all the information you need on that. Wonderful. So there is that announcement. And then, of course, there you said earlier that there is a there's going to be the parody, which... Um, when you mentioned it, and you mentioned some of the particulars about it, I know it must be uh, oh my from gosh. the Fellowship, the musical parody of the Fellowship of the Ring, which we will be playing um, a little excerpt from. But please tell wow, us about... Wow, there it is. There it and is. here it is, Fellowship! Exclamation point. Yes. That's the title of it, Fellowship! Yes. Exclamation point. This is the title of the musical parody that's being performed in October. 
the New York Mus- Musical Theater Festival. You can go to nymf.org. From Thursday, October 7th to Sunday, October 17th, live performance of this parody. And it is absolutely it's exactly the same thing as yes. what we have the soundtrack of and the original cast this, recording. Yes, I get to see this in Hollywood. And a, when it originally came out, it was... The cast and production people didn't realize what was involved with getting permission from all the powers that be right. in order to use characters from Lord of the Rings and all that. Right. So before it was, in a sense, kind of quietly shut down, <laughs> um, uh, several of us got to see it. And But it, it's, so, uh, it's so darling that it has um, gotten special permission to play f- uh, uh, from time to time. And um, so it's probably has a different, maybe even has a completely different cast, whatever. This one was directed by Joel McCrary and uh, music by Alan Simpson, lyrics by everybody, and uh, lots of funny people. And you have to remember that this is a parody. So it's what sometimes people take these things so seriously and they're like, oh my gosh, they can't make fun of the Lord of the Rings. But I saw this and they're, it's a parody of it, but it, you can tell that they love the work so you know they're 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 just over the top on so many of the themes of the of the fellowship of the ring but darling so what and and in the web page for the new york musical theater festival happening in october in new york city they say see tap dancing hobbits see the balrog in a sequence studded cabaret number and i can only imagine what they're they're going to be doing with it. The the <laughs> cast is somewhat different from the original cast recording, but I think some of the names are the same. Yes. And this also, by the way, won the prestigious Saturn Award, the 2010 Saturn mm. Award from the Academy of Fantasy and Science Fiction as best musical production. So, um, well, we're going to play a little something. Just take a little, oh, goody. a little, a little musical interlude here. I don't know about you, but one of my favorite parts of the movies is the um, the prelude at uh, of the you know where Galadriel does give us the history, and of course she says Irma Prestarain Hanathanen Hanathanhai Hanaston Nedwilith. The world is changed. I feel it in the water. I feel it in the earth, I smell it in the air. And then she goes on, and we see some of the most beautiful scenes of the movie, The Last Alliance of Men and Elves, uh, the cutting of the ring from Sauron's hand, Isildur, you know, not being able to throw it into the uh, cracks of Mount Doom. Beautiful part of the movie. Well, we have here from the parody of The Fellowship of the Ring, First, we're going to play the overture, and then we're going to hear Galadriel Explains It All. So, this from Fellowship, the musical parody of The Fellowship of the Ring. This was the original cast recording, KCI in Irvine. But after a great battle, the ring was lost. 
History became legend. Legend became myth. Myth became a book. The book became a movie. And tonight, the movie becomes a musical. <laughs> and that is oh my Galadriel. Gosh, that's so delightful. That doesn't sound like a woman. It certainly doesn't sound like sound like Kate Blanchett at all. No, it does not sound like Kate Blanchett. And <laughs> there are very interesting roles of uh, in the movie. And at the time that I saw it, there was several people played several different roles within the movie. And uh, the sequined Belgrog was really hilarious. One of my favorite, favorite songs is called One Moment With You. And it's Aragorn and Arwen singing with steel guitars. And they're singing, you know, One Moment With You. It feels like a whole lot of moments. <laughs> <laughs> and at, some, at one point they're singing in this very strange uh, elvish that almost sounds a little bit more like... Um, um, what was that language from Star Trek? Um, Klingon. Klingon. <laughs> <laughs> we we might have we might have to play that one. I don't know how long it is, but if our listeners, especially if anyone's listening or is going to be in New York and loves the Lord of the Rings and is okay with um, you know making poking a little fun at some of the things, it is delightfully entertaining and fun, and that is the Fellowship. The musical parody of The Fellowship of the Ring. And again, if you want more information on this uh, upcoming event, www.nymf, which stands for New York Musical Theater Festival, .org, nymf.org, Thursday, October 7th to Sunday, October 17th. You lucky people that will be visiting New York or living in the Northeast if I lived in the Northeast, I would be there with bells on, absolutely. Well, hopefully it will come back to Southern California, even though it was kind of shut down after an initial uh, short run. Um, it, it's, it's been produced a couple of times, I think once in conjunction with Comic-Con or something like that. And so I... if, if it obviously it's still being produced in different venues, so I'm sure it will be back at some point and well worth the trip. Uh, hilarious, hilarious. <laughs> but speaking of Galadriel, she was mm -hmm. like an oracle. She was she sort of embodied the oracle at Delphi kind of uh, embodiment a little bit. And speaking of opening presents, mm -hmm. the Hobbit has an adventure report. He went uh, looking for a book for the Hobbit wife. And found that book, but more importantly, found a little wonderful thing that he's going to share with Tani the Elf. This was uh, Books at Sandcastle. It's a used bookstore. And in fact, this is not brand new. It's used. Mm -hmm. But it is, after all, 12 years old. Mm -hmm. They have modern first editions. They have popular and scarce paperbacks. And they are willing to trade oh, books really? for books. Oh, so, again, Where are they located? they're located in Huntington Beach hmm. on Gothard Street, 16582 Gothard, Unit E, just on the east side of Gothard Street, just south of Hyall Avenue in Huntington Beach. Books at Sandcastle, serving Orange County since 1992. That's 18 years ago, and I didn't even know they were there. Really? I See, I we love just sort of ran bookstores. Use and, bookstores. Oh, my gosh. You go into the store, and the guy's so knowledgeable, and he has so many wonderful things. One of my sisters-in-law is 
a hobbit princess that loves Jiminy Cricket. And he had a sterling silver Jiminy Cricket necklace that we almost bought. Oh, it's a wonderful store. Books at Sandcastle. But speaking of opening presents, what I found there, I looked and I said, well, do you have anything from The Lord of the Ring? Well, he had The Lord of the Ring, he had The Hobbit, had several editions, he had other books that I knew of. But he had something I had never seen before. Mm-hmm. The Lord of the Rings Oracle from 1998. A mystical pack with Middle Earth cards, map, and ring for divination and revelation by mm. Terry Donaldson an official Tolkien Enterprises gift set product. So, Tani, yeah. I have not opened this. Why don't you be the first to open this? Open it's a cards. beautiful, Yay. about 9-inch by 7-inch bookcase kind of holder with a green ribbon tying it together oh, it's lovely. at the right edge. Let me hand this over to you, and I'd like you to open that up and describe it. And, okay, so it's Terry Donaldson, so... Um, I'm wondering if Terry Donaldson is the one who just, you know, put this together or if he actually is also the artist. Does it say? I don't know. You are opening it for the first time, dear Elf Princess. Okay, so here um, it says, The Lord of the Rings and all characters and places they're in are trademark properties of Tolkien Enterprises, Berkeley, California, and are used under license. So, this was 1998, so this predates the movies. And what you're holding in your book now, Tani has opened the gift set, and the first thing she removed was a hardbound book about four inches by five inches. Yes, the Lord of the Rings Oracle. And I'm opening here to, says, dedicated to all the servants of the secret fire over land and sea. The secret fire, which was Iluvatar, our god in uh, Middle-earth, placed in each of us. We are all kindled with the secret fire, the fire imperishable. And it does say here that the illustrations are by Alice Englander. And so it goes on to say, a mystical pack with Middle Earth cards, map, and ring for divination and revelation created by Terry Donaldson. And it says, introduction to the oracle. The oracle consists of three parts, the ring itself, the map, and the cards. says, each section may be used independently or in conjunction with each other in order to cast light upon the events of the past, present, and future. So it's rather interesting because in the Lord of the Rings, of course, we see the Silmarils, with, um, not sorry, the Silmarils, the Palantiri, which are um, were like almost like a crystal globe where you could see um, things that were going on, and this is how even Sauron knew of things that were going on in other regions of Middle Earth. Right. However, they weren't. I don't think they. It was implied that they gave any power of divination as far as looking into the future, whereas the Mirror of Galadriel. Did remember in the movie when Frodo's looking into it and he sees the burning of the sh- the scouring of the Shire, right? And he says, "Oh my gosh!" And she says, "You know, are these things?" And he says, "Are these things that will happen?" And she says, um, "Something to the effect that s- things that are, things that were, and some things that have yet to come to pass, yes. implying that things might be able to be changed." Right. 
And and the Palantiri, on the other hand, the, were seeing stones. Mm-hmm. They just basically allowed the operator of the stone, of the Palantir, to see very, very long distances, and the Palantiri basically communicated with each other. And that is probably one of the main factors in the downfall of Saruman, is that he spent so much time looking in the Palantir mm-hmm. yes. and communicating with Sauron. And... There is, it's interesting because I, I believe we, sometimes we forget that with power comes a price. And it is mentioned, I do not know offhand, but like the Noldor who had the, many of, um, and some elves that had the ability to look into the hearts and minds of others. Um, a lot of people think, oh, I'd love to be able to read everyone's minds. Well, maybe not. <laughs> Maybe some things are best left undiscovered. It says here how the oracle works. It says humanity has used various methods, oracles, in order to ascertain what the future might hold from entrails of animals, inscribed stones, the movement of stars and planets, the casting of yarrow sticks, coins, dice, and tarot cards. This oracle combines the methods of all of the practices mentioned with the exception of animals' entrails. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it says, it's very interesting because one of the things it goes on to say is that the universal images that Professor Tolkien used in his stories, so kind of like archetypes, uh, images that Professor Tolkien used in his stories each represent something about ourselves possibly as yet undiscovered. All of these people, characters, players, good and bad, are within us. When we attempt to suppress our differing selves, we are left with resistance. This is self-defeating as we become that which we resist. So this sounds right. like it would be very... Uh, I, A lot I, of fun. Yes, and look at the beautiful images. And so it's very much like uh, many, uh, these type of decks. I have uh, goddess cards, angel cards. Well, you have mostly I think of uh, tarot. Yes. But there's some disagreement. Some people say tarot, and some say tarot. And speaking of tearing, we have Tani now struggling to tear <laughs> open the deck of 40 uh, cards that are part of this Oracle gift set. Oh, I'm just so excited here. Published in 1998. 1998. Before it, the films came out. And actually, and that would one. be before the films actually started principal photography, before they started production. And what is exciting to me about these and the fact that the cards are still sealed is that being the first one to actually open them, um, if you are anyone who works with cards, uh, there's energy. There's energy in the cards and the energy of the people who hold them. And so a lot of times if you get a deck, um, you have to do a little bit of, you know, energy cleansing. These will not require that. They have the energy of the elf right here. And look at the first card, the beautiful Shire. Wow. These are beautiful Mount Doom. The illustrations are just the realm of Lothlorien. What are the back? What's the back of the cards the back like? Is, um, the backs like, are all the same. Yes, the backs are all the same. It looks like it looks like Middle Earth, but perhaps um, these, like this, looks like Syrian and the mouths of Syrian that go in. Right, um, it might be right. like the Bay of Balar, uh, or right. it may be, because of course, uh, during at different times in the history of Middle Earth, um, the landscape and geography was greatly changed. Oh, look at, oh, that's Who a beautiful, that? Saruman. Oh. Beautiful picture of Saruman. 
and Gollum. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. Interesting that these predate any of the work that uh, would have, that would have been done for the movie, The Blessed Realms. Oh, a little reminds me a bit of Ted Nasmith's right. um, rendering. And the Nine Rings, the Great Ring. So this is wonderful. So there are the cards. Right. And then there is this, which is the map. So I, There's a map that's folded in four sections, and then it's unfolded again thrice. And so it ends up being about oh, it's all 20 of inches Earth, yes. by 24 inches, and it's a map of Middle Earth, I take it? Yes, and it would have been um, an older, an older, because here we have the Grey Havens, and here the Shire, no, not, so it would have been after the... Um, after the great tumult where the western lands are moved far away. Here's the Bridge of Khazad-dûm. Notice at the bottom there is the all-seeing eye of Sauron, and the middle of it looks surprisingly like the image that Weta came up for Barad-dûr in The Lord of the Rings when we see the all-seeing eye at the top of Barad-dûr, the dark tower. That's right. And, oh, there's our... Oh, I think that's actually Eowyn. No, this would have It looks been... to me like Arwen because Arwen Evenstar had a jewel on her forehead. That's yes? right, yes. I don't think that... And she wouldn't... I don't think Eowyn would have been dressed this way. Interesting that Arwen here has a sword, which I think Arwen would have had swords, although there was all that controversy about uh, Zin Arwen, <laughs> <laughs> where they're going to have Zin, you know, Zina, Zina Arwen, the warrior princess. And then, of course, we have... One I of think, the elements of the might have been a, I think there might have been a, a die there, because remember it said dice? I think so. I think the die... Oh, well, maybe you can take the uh, the inner parts apart. I don't know if you can lift out the inner cardboard elements to see if there's something hiding underneath. Yeah, no, it doesn't seem... But we do have the ring with its little inscription here, right. which... Um, one it's ring not made out of metal. It looks like no. it might be plastic. I think and we have a die. Wood. There may be a die missing. Yes. So if anyone knows and they know about this thing, they can they can email us. Email and our us at email address is askanelf at yahoo dot com. And I would love to know if uh, people, if anyone, and so we have the cards here, and then the book gives you some more information. On how to use each how to of use the, the esoteric 40 cards. meeting, the personal indications, and the reversed meeting. So, you know, use very much uh, it would appear like a regular tarot deck. Although, those of us that you Oh, the Sword of Aragorn. Look, Ooh. isn't that a beautiful picture? Oh, can you read? Let me, let me read. I'm yes, going to read yes. some here. Here we have, this is on page 37 of the book that comes with the Lord of the Rings Aragorn, Oracle. The Sword of Aragorn. Before us stands Aragorn, a mighty warrior and leader. He gives the inspiring command to charge and, cheering his army, begins to move behind him. In his hand he holds Anduril, his sword, which means flame of the west. Behind him we see a flash of lightning and a simultaneous crash of thunder. It is as, is as if the gods themselves are cheering him on in his battle. And then there's an esoteric meaning, a personal indications, and a reverse meaning. I'll just read the personal indications. Hmm. If this card comes up, there is an opportunity to set right the wrongs of the past, a breakthrough, an achievement, a victory, the influence of a dynamic male, 
could mean positive channeling of energies or striving for justice, perhaps protection of the rights of those unable to defend themselves, Mm -hmm. being clear about objectives, or and the fight for freedom. So there are there are many many cards. Uh, Helm's Deep, the Rehorim, the horse the horsemen. Mm-hmm. We've got the wolves, Bjorn the shape changer, the ghost army of Dunharrow, the eagles, the great ring. And if you see the great ring come out, the personal indications an opportunity to make important decisions concerning your life, a great turning point the opportunity to dedicate your life to something really significant. So this is perhaps a little silly to many people because certainly many of us, certainly the practical hobbits among us, (laughs) don't put much account in divination or fortune telling, Mm -hmm. but certainly a beautiful thing to look at, a fun thing to play with and, uh, and think about. Yes. Well, and I think that just from my own personal experience with these things that uh, we need to be very careful about placing our our power in other people's hands. You know that they would tell us they would tell us what our destiny is or what we should do. I think a lot of times there are things in the universe that can give us signs, and 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 um, uh, obviously we see in the Book of the Lord of the Rings the the uh, backdrop of providence in all of the adventures where providence intervenes, you know, it seems like in timely ways to support um, the good. <laughs> and uh, so I think a lot of times these things are these things are ways for us to tap into something that maybe in our higher self we already know, obviously in um, the Christian tradition, which was uh, J.R.R. Tolkien's and C.S. Lewis, there is you know, angels, and many of us believe that there are real angels, other entities that are energetic beings that uh, often intervene on our behalf. So, guardian angels, guardian absolutely angels, guardian yes. angels. I've felt, I've felt the strength of a garden guardian angel once or twice in my life. Yes, and we see in the the movies, you know, um, the file of Galadriel, where Frodo and you know he calls out to Elbereth, and you know. Ah, uh, Elbereth Gelfoniel. Yes. And so, so thank you so much for bringing and sharing this. I, this is so, this is so fun and so wonderful. I will, uh. Well, I hope you enjoy playing with it and taking a look at it and so forth. Yes. Well, and it was amazing to me because I have to say that, um, I haven't I haven't been scouring as much as I was, but when I especially when I first discovered the movies and the films and just, and began my personal experiment experiment of my life as an elf, I couldn't get enough of of J.R. Tolkien things and of Middle Earth and of all the different wonderful ways that it was being expressed and and appreciated in the world. And but I was always looking for things in the stores, and that's how I would find different versions of the Silmarillion and you know the languages of Middle Earth book that explained the languages. But in all these years, I've never even heard of this thing called the Lord of the Rings Oracle. And here you discovered it, you clever hobbit. Well, I, I <laughs> hope you enjoy it. It's uh, my little present to you in commemoration of our first uh, our first year together on the air. I want you to have it. You want me to have it? Oh, my gosh. I thought I was just going to get to play with it. No, it's a present for you, oh. Tani Elf Princess. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. You've given me so many presents. 
real and intangible. Well, it's a present every week when we just get to to hang out together and celebrate the 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 great work of a man who has, I believe, changed the literary world in and a very wonderful way and continues and changed many people for the better. I think, even if just a little, if, even if just a little bit of heroism, a mm-hmm. little bit of kindness, a little bit of courage is right. encouraged by those films or those books. Yes. Tolkien has has done himself credit. And little just a little mention of um, my personal uh, Elf Adventure report from last weekend. Last weekend I went down to visit my friend Ro, the shield maiden. Oh my uh, gosh, and I've her- met Ro, and if ever there was a <laughs> shield maiden, if ever there was Eowyn come to life, it is she. It is Ro, who is a master archer, and she is now back teaching, uh, teaching archery classes. And in fact, last week, uh, I had never heard of this. I haven't had a chance to talk to her since her experience with it. But she was teaching an archery class with, with another teacher to blind children. Wow. Now, how, and, I mean, how amazing that would be to feel the bow and experience shooting a bow and arrow without the, the aspect of sight. So you still would have all of these, I would imagine, even, well, actually, um, interestingly, there were aspects of when I was taking archery that I was doing, going through some of the movements with my eyes closed so I could feel what was going on in my body. But, of course, I would always open my eyes just before uh, loosing the arrow, you know, to make sure I was <laughs> pointed toward the target. So I had that option to open my eyes. But, uh, yes, they worked with a school of blind children sharing archery with them. So we went to, um, we went around and stopped at um, a couple of garage sales. I got a couple of wonderful things. One was a little, a little, a really cute little, um, glass thing with jewels on it for 10 cents and it was perfect for putting fairy gifts in so i have to put that out in the garden for when i leave uh, candy or or little crystals for the fairies and i got they had there the book of lost tales oh my gosh and i'm looking at it here which is for you my friend because i I can't say the price but (laughs) it it was extremely reasonable (laughs) the book of lost tales part one by tolkien and perhaps next time we'll have some readings from it. It's edited by Christopher Tolkien, the great man's son, and has The Cottage of Lost Play, the music of the Ainur. Which is an expanded version of the Ainulindali, which Ainulindali is one of my favorite, not only pieces of work by J.R. Tolkien, but my favorite pieces of literature in the entire world. And that 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 is printed in the Silmarillion. Yes. But this is an extended version. Yeah. The coming of the Valar and the building of Valinor, the chaining of Melko, the coming of the elves and the making of Kor, the theft of Melko and the darkening of the Valinor, the flight of the Noldoli, the tale of the sun and moon, the hiding of Valinor, and Gilfanon's tale, the travail of the Noldoli and the coming of mankind. So in that, what you have is um, a lot of, because there were lots of things that Tolkien worked on over the years and years and years, and of course, the things that have been published are things that Christopher Tolkien had to figure out how to edit it for, you know, publication. And so there there were different things that changed names and the spellings of things. In fact, the Noldor were at one point referred to as gnomes, which we think of gnomes as, you know, little squatty guys with pointy hats that we see in the garden. <laughs> So I thought we would just play, since we had been talking a little bit about 
the oracle cards. I thought in uh, celebration of that, we would play from J.R.R. Tolkien's audio collection, the professor himself uh, reading um, this uh, selection from the Fellowship of the Ring of the Mirror of Galadriel. Oh, my gosh. Um, One of the this, greatest sections of the book. Yes, and this being... J, uh, being Frodo's lament for Gandalf. So let's see here. Let's go to, and then we'll hear uh, right after that farewell to Lorien. So this is from the Fellowship of the Ring. This is J.R.R. Tolkien. This is the professor himself reading. Yes, and it's from a recording called the J.R.R. Tolkien Recordings. Yes, the collection. Here we are. Okay. When evening in the Shire was grey, his footsteps on the hill were heard. Before the dawn he went away on journey long without a word. From Wilderland to western shore, from northern waste to southern hill, through dragon lair and hidden door and darkening woods he walked at will. With dwarf and hobbit elves and men, with mortal and immortal folk, with bird on bough and beast in den, in their own secret tongues he spoke. A deadly sword, a healing hand, a back that bent beneath its load, a trumpet voice, a burning brand, a weary pilgrim on the road. A lord of wisdom throned, he sat swift in anger, quick to laugh, an old man in a battered hat who leaned upon a thorny staff. He stood upon the bridge alone, and fire and shadow both defied. His staff was broken in the stone. In Khazad-dûm his wisdom died. Wow, that was, it's always amazing <laughs> to hear the professor reading, and it's so pleasurable and so tremendous. Oh, I, I love hearing him read his work, I, I really do. Well, you had a <clears throat> wonderful archery adventure with the Shield Maiden Row. Yes. <laughs> I want to give a pre-announcement, two weeks from today, I will have a Hobbit adventure report from Las Vegas. And do you know why I'm going to Las Vegas? Because the family wants to. But another reason <laughs> came up in my research for Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. There is a new slot machine called the Lord of the Rings slot machine. I cannot believe it. That it's is so unbelievable. It's at the Flamingo. It's also at other casinos around. It's rumored to be at the Rio and back east at the Foxwoods Resort and Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. And apparently at the Coachella Valley Indian Casino in here in California. But I next week will be at the Flamingo in Las Vegas and I will be playing the Lord of the Rings slot machine with Gimli and Frodo and Galadriel and adventures like uh, Galadriel's Staircase. There's adventures like the Siege of Mirkwood. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. I I will tell you all about it in two weeks' time. I'm so excited. And you must take a picture. Have one of the nieces or nephews. I'll have one of the nieces take a picture. Wonderful. Of me so playing it. In two weeks, we will be back. And in the meantime, we will have to say goodbye to our friends. Oh, my gosh. Yes, Alin Salah, Lumin, Amin a star shines on the hour of our meeting again in two weeks. Oh and my gosh, thank you for all the fun. Thank you, and uh, safe journey, and I will be looking very much forward to that Hobbit adventure report in two weeks. In the meantime, let's leave our friends with some music from The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King from Into the West, Coco oh B. singing Wonderful. the... Academy Award-winning music by Howard Shore that was sung by Annie Lennox in the movie. And please stay tuned for the Blueberry MacGuffins, if a nice like literary adventure. You're going to love that literary adventure. Oh, Absolutely. my gosh. So, 
Okay, my friend. Until next week, Namarie. KUCI FM Irvine. And uh, 88.9 FM Irvine. And if you'd like to email us, askanelf at yahoo.com. KUCI in Irvine, the best radio station in the history of Middle Earth. Thank you.